everyone, and welcome to the Dr. Linda Mental Show. I'm your host, Dr. Linda Mental, the relationship doctor, and I'm here along with my co-host, Chris Weigel. Every weekend, we're here, we're doing life together, and as always, we're just really glad you joined us. Glad to be sharing a microphone with you again, once again, this weekend, Dr. Linda. I can't remember how we got to talking about this the other day, but somehow we got onto the topic of fears. I told you that I had a fear of deep water. You did. Deep water, especially when you can't see the bottom. (laughs) You and I... Take a deep breath right now. (laughs) You and I and the producer were trying to think of what the fear was called. And I thought it was called hydrophobia. And you had a reason for that. You were telling me this kind of weird story about rabies. Yeah. What was that about? I saw this old movie where where the dog got rabies, and this was this took place in the in the south, and the the character said he's got hydrophobia. What did that did that have to do with the rabies it, or the? Well, rabbit animals apparently are afraid of water. Oh, something like that. I'm so they thinking. wouldn't go to the water or something. something I don't know. It right. sounds very complicated. Mm-hmm. But our producer said that was called. Aquaphobia. Right, yes. I don't know. So you were talking about a fear of deep water. So Mm -hmm. it's so interesting. He looked it up in his phone, and we really couldn't believe the massive list of phobias we found. There were just, I don't know if there were hundreds, but there had to at least be a hundred that we saw. At least. And and it's amazing that they, (laughs) apparently people are afraid of everything because they've come up with every name imaginable for, uh, you can be afraid of anything under the sun. Well, I I was at work and I mentioned that we were doing a show on this and somebody said, "Uh, I have a an aunt who's afraid of the number 13. I was like, wow, really? And there were a whole bunch. And then everybody around me, we should have gotten sound bites on that because all these people had these very strange um, fears. So I guess a lot of people actually do struggle with this. And I know that actually as a therapist. Mm -hmm. And in fact, the numbers might surprise you, but about 19 million people, that's a lot of people, Chris, 19 million are walking around with fears that we call phobias. And phobias are one of the most common mental health disorders in the United States. Mm. And women tend to have them a little bit more than men. Have you treated folks with phobias before? I actually have. Actually, quite a few people. And Mm -hmm. based on that 19 million, I've had a few of those 19 million. So I want to say uh, at the beginning of this show that phobias are highly treatable. Mm. So as we talk about this, I want you to keep in mind that they are really... Not that difficult to treat if you get with a therapist who knows how to do it and you do not have to live with these fears for a long time. So we'll talk about a little bit about the treatment a little bit later in the show. Well, let's start with a definition of what a phobia actually is because it can become quite distressing when you have a specific fear. It can. So a phobia is really just an excessive or an irrational fear reaction. So the difference mm-hmm. is, let's say you're in the water and there's a shark. Right. Now the body is wired to be afraid of that. You have that fight or flight response that people have. Right. So that's real because there's a shark in there. A phobia is if you go into the water, there is no shark and you're terrified mm-hmm. that maybe there might be a shark or you had some bad experience a long time ago and now even with the shark gone, you're still being afraid. So if you have a phobia, what happens is you experience this really deep sense of dread, a lot of times panic, um, whenever you encounter the source of whatever that Mm, fear was based on. It's like when I go into a lake, and uh, there's some lakes where I grew up, and the deepest part of the lake is 400 feet deep. Is that deep? That's deep. Is that like a fathom? I don't know. I don't know all those nautical terms yet. So it's it's, deep. It's extremely deep because of the mountainous terrain and all that. Oh, yeah, sure. It creates these deep lakes. That's okay. 400 feet deep, you know, that's like being in the ocean. Who cares? Yeah, yeah. But when... You're in an area that's like 20 feet deep, and you can sort of see the bottom. Yeah, that bothers you. That that's what makes. So, what me do go you get crazy. like? You get anxious when you see that, or do you get like 
almost claustrophobic a or little, what? Almost, uh, what's the word for when you just simply can't move? Yeah, yeah that's paralyzing fear. Yeah. That's anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I know for years I had, and I looked up the name of it, it's called dentophobia. Mm. Dentophobia. Right. This is the fear of dentists. Or dental procedures. I'm telling you, <laughs> no, it was a fear of the dentist himself. Katie, the producer, is shaking her head, going, "Yes." <laughs> I was really afraid. What? Here's what happened. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, I had to go in. I, I had a cavity, and the dentist. I don't know what he did, but he hit the something in my oh, face, right, yeah. and half of my face froze, mm. and it felt so out of control. And so I, ever since then, I got really afraid. In fact, when I first got married, I would interview dentists and I would say, okay, do you have a fish tank that I can look at? Right. Do you have ear earphones with music? Mm-hmm. Do you, can you hold my hand? Can you, you know, <laughs> can you use the gas? You know, I have mm-hmm. to have, now I can do it. I've overcome my fear. See, this is the good news. You can overcome those. But that terrified me for years and years. We have a dentist in the choir at church. Are you afraid of no, him? No, I don't know who it is. Don't t- now are you going to tell me who it is? <laughs> I won't tell you who it is. <laughs> I don't know who that is. Dr. Ken, one of the bases. He's, he's a dentist? A, he's, a, he's my okay. dentist, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I did not know right. that. Well, you know, there, there's so many movies, actually, that play on our fears, and uh, you see fears of clowns in movies. I know. There was a movie called It. I never saw it. Nah. I'm not know. recommending yeah. it. Fear of tight spaces. There was a movie called Descent, and there was also a movie called Buried Alive. I know. See, that yeah. would freak me right. out if I saw that movie. I didn't see it. And then, of course, the fear of spiders and insects, the fly. That was a classic. Is that? It's an old movie. Did you ever see it? No, no. It's a classic. Then arachnophobia. We've yeah. all seen that movie. Yeah. So it's funny. Now, Katie's looking at us because just before we came to the show, seriously, mm-hmm. she did not know what we were talking about today. Right. And I heard her kind of yell, kind of scream. Katie, what was going on up there when I heard you yelling and kind of screaming? Well, I was just watching TV, hanging out in my room, and all of a sudden I hear my mom go, Katie? I'm like... Yeah, like I paused my TV show, and she's like, you good up there? I said, uh, yeah, like, why are you asking? She said, I feel like you were just, like, throwing up or something. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I was just watching a TV show with spiders, but they weren't normal spiders. They somehow got under the skin and, like, went into the body, and I couldn't, I guess my body was reacting without me knowing it, because... You, you are me. terrified of spiders oh, I hate them. and bugs. Because when I was younger, I just remember the feeling of killing a bug, and I remember it crunching in my hands. Mm. And ever since then, like my dad grew up in the mission field, doesn't even bother him. Right. My brother, you know, he's scared too. He's he a just little bit afraid too. Yeah. Because I would always be like, Matt, get the spider. And he'd be like, no, you do it. You know, like, <laughs> try to make me do it. Big brother helping but his no, sister. Yes. He was scared. I know so he, he was. So here's the thing. That fear that she's talking about, mm-hmm. the fear of spiders, and I did not know this, is the most common fear for both men and women. Wow. They're seen, I guess, because they're seen as creepy and mm, crawly, and right. and they can even kill us, I guess, with a bite. You know, when you right. think about the, the Black Widow. The Black Widow, right. Yeah, so this usually begins in childhood, like Katie was talking about, and it tends to stay with us as adults if we don't deal with it. Related to arachnophobia is aphidiophobia. Oh, you said that very well. <laughs> it's the fear of snakes, and it's almost oh. as common as the fear of spiders. Okay. Do you remember the movie Anaconda? I would not see it. Mm. I think there's two of them. I just yeah. wouldn't see. I have the, I do not like snakes. So how about the movie, The Birds? That's again, another old Alfred Hitchcock movie. Yeah. And they're like attacking people. So that one probably <laughs> will create a phobia if mm-hmm. you watch it. Jodie Foster was in a movie called The Panic Room. 
and it dealt with claustrophobia, intense fear of small and enclosed spaces. Yeah, I can kind of get into that one a little bit. So I think there's a lot of movies we could talk about, um, and we really want to kind of make the point here before we go to a break that phobias are really tied to something that happens, something very specific when you have a phobia. So typical symptoms can be something like nausea or trembling, rapid heartbeat, feelings of unreality, and being preoccupied with the fear object. So phobias can have a really serious impact on a person's life. You have to you have to avoid the object of the fear, and that's not always possible to do, Chris. Mm. So this can be quite distressing for people and interfere with daily life and relationships. We found websites that list all the fears a person can have, and it looks like there is a fear for, like we said, just about anything. But let's talk about a few more of the most common fears people have after we go to a short break. Don't be afraid. (laughs) We'll be right back on the Dr. Linda Mental Show. Conflict is a part of every healthy relationship. How you deal with conflict is what will either grow or destroy relationships. Do you avoid? Maybe you become highly emotional and then regret what you said or did. Getting control of our emotions is not always easy, but it is possible. Hi, this is Dr. Linda Mintel, and I wrote the book, We Need to Talk, in order to help all of us deal better with conflict. We Need to Talk, available at bookstores and online where books are sold. Anger happens. It's part of being human, but it does not need to control or even ruin your life. Hi, I'm Dr. Linda Mintel, the relationship doctor, with a quick prescription to help you break free from anger. Whether you are seriously out of control, hot-tempered, or just easily annoyed, why not try this biblical strategy to conquer those destructive reactions? A good place to begin is to admit you have an anger problem, and then begin the tough work of finding the root of your anger. The next step is to identify the triggers, you know, the cues that set you off. Your trigger might be other people or situations or even certain thoughts that pop into your mind. Next, calm down. It's like pressing pause on the moment. Take a breath. Count to five in Spanish or maybe some other language. Get your thinking brain back into control. And then finally, create a reaction plan. So in advance, think about ways to combat those familiar angry feelings. And then practice, practice, practice your plan. With God's help, you can break free from anger. For more powerful strategies to break free, get Dr. Linda Mental's book, Breaking Free from Anger and Unforgiveness, available online. Welcome back to the Dr. Linda Mental Show, and I want to remind you to follow Dr. Linda on social media, Twitter at Dr. Linda Helps, on Facebook, Dr. Linda Mental, author and speaker, and on Instagram at Dr. Linda Mental. And if you can't remember any of that, just go to her website, drlindamental.com. Well, today we're talking about phobias or fears that the National Institute of Mental Health says affects 8% of the population. That's a lot of people walking around feeling afraid. And we mentioned a few of the most common phobias at the top of the show but there are many more. <laughs> there are. And one of the most common ones that we were going to talk about in the first segment was agoraphobia. Oh, yeah. Because that's one people will recognize, and that's mm-hmm. that fear of going out. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people are, are kind of stuck in their house. Maybe you're listening to this and saying, hey, I have that fear. A lot of times that one is paired with panic. So mm-hmm. that's one of those fears that, again, we're going to get into how do you treat this? What do you do? How do we think about this spiritually? Because, again, there's really good, good, good treatment for this. Um, there's a fear called trypanophobia. Okay, these are hard to say. They are, yeah. So this is a fear of needles. Again, this hmm. is one I had. I would faint when I would get a shot. Go My out. dad is a man's man. Yeah. But 
go to the doctor, it causes him to faint. It's embarrassing, mm-hmm. isn't yeah. it? And one time I remember I got the shot. I didn't faint. I was with my husband. I went, oh, good. Let's just walk out of here on the way out. Boom. Really? Went down. Even yeah. after it was already over, you still fainted from that. Yeah, but wow. I, but again, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm over mm-hmm. it, and I know, how to, I know how to treat this. So we're going to help you in a few minutes, too. What about a fear that's sometimes related is called hemophobia? It's the intense fear of blood. And a person with hemophobia may faint when they come in contact even with their own blood or someone else's, of course. Right. So they're probably not going to be doctors because of that fear, <laughs> unless they can get over that. Yeah. Um, but that is a really intense fear of blood. It's it's like you said, either by sight or by touching it. And hmm. it gets so bad for some people, Chris, that they actually lose consciousness and pass out and wow. even become weak. So this is the, the strength of that, that that can do that to you, that kind of fear. It's interesting uh, with all three of our kids. You know, I was there when they were born. And sure enough, when the process really starts, yeah. the doctor always said to me all three times, Dad, how are you? Yeah. And, I'm like, and some of them faint. Yeah. Some of them faint right there in the in the birthing room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this this is an irrational fear, but it sometimes is a reminder of something traumatic that somebody had in an earlier time. So maybe somebody saw somebody die or you saw a terrible accident on the mm-hmm. highway. And that can be triggered if the person has been involved in one of those really traumatic things that they've witnessed. Right. So again, you go back to the root of the fear. A lot of times there was an incident that created fear at the moment, and then that fear gets what we call conditioned and it stays with you. You know, there are reports that our, our president has a fear of germs and contamination. Now, I've never heard this term. They called it misophobia. Hmm. I, I thought it was germophobia. That's always the term well, I that's, heard. That's the joke. Hey, what are you, a germaphobe? Yeah. And so this can affect individuals in a whole bunch of different ways. What happens is it starts as sort of this generalized fear of contamination, and then it leads to a lot of anxiety. And it's really hard because think about it. The times you have to go outside and you have to encounter germs, you really can't live your life and be free of that. Right. You work with uh, medical students, and often they struggle with a fear called nosophobia. Yes. And this is really real for medical students because what happens is as they're looking up all these diseases that they're studying, they begin to feel like they have them. Really? I actually give a lecture at the beginning of the year for the new medical students saying, you're going to look up all these things you're going to start learning about, and you're going to start going, wait a minute, do I have that symptom? Hmm. And I have them come into my office all the time saying, I think I have irritable bowel syndrome or some other you know, <laughs> disease that we've been studying at the time. Right. And it's kind of related to hypochondriacs, mm. you know, that we people have heard that word. Right. Like, oh, he's such a hypochondriac, always thinking he has an illness. Well, I have young kids, and one out of the three suffers from astrophobia. It's the intense fear of thunder and lightning. Do you think dogs can have that? Yes. <laughs> I think our dog has that. Oh, a producer's pointing to herself again. Right. Yeah, I think that is a very common one. And in fact, you know, my dog just hides and starts to shake. Do your, does your daughter do that? She does. She just uh, cries. And so with more exposure, what happens, kids get really afraid of that. We used to we used to hear all these things that people would say to their kids, like, God is bowling in mm. heaven, you know, try to give it sort of some normalizing that it's okay, right. things aren't going to, they're going to turn out okay. And after a while, kids usually grow out of that one. You know, xenophobia is the, the fear of dogs. And there are lots of people that are afraid of, of dogs. And that usually starts again at a young age, usually with the result of some kind of negative experience right. with the dog. And that can really stay with you to childhood. It's funny, I have the comfort dog that I bring to the medical school. Mm. I've treated three students that have that phobia. And by the end of a few months, they're petting her and real comfortable with her. You know, we could go on and on with these because, like we've said, there are lists miles long. Uh, The fear of flying, the fear of dark, fear of losing control, fear of getting older, 
fear of public speaking, just to name a few. So how do we help people with phobias? Yeah, we need to get to that. So Mm -hmm. we know that there is a mixture with people of genetic factors and then environmental factors. So always when we're talking about mental health struggles, there's always this mixture of some people may be more predisposed to anxiety, to maybe mm-hmm. a fear reaction based on their genetics, based on the way their their body is wired. And other people, it, a lot of times though, it has to do with the environment that can cause those phobias. So if a child has a close relative with an anxiety problem or disorder, they're at a little bit more risk than somebody else. So any kind of distressing event, such as you maybe you had a moment where you felt like you were drowning for a mm-hmm. few seconds in a pool or something, right. that can bring on a phobia. Exposure to some kind of confined place or needing, um, you know, going up to some extreme height and getting a little scared of that or being bit by an insect. Those are the kinds of things that can start the phobias we've been talking about. So people with ongoing medical conditions or health concerns a lot of times will have a phobia, Chris, because mm-hmm. of all the invasive things that are happening to them. So I did not know this until I did the research for the show with people developing phobias after a traumatic brain injury. And I think about all the vets out there who have had this traumatic brain injury and substance abuse and depression are also connected to phobias. How do you explain, let's say, a child who's afraid of water? But they've never been around a traumatic water type experience. Is that would that be inherited, possibly? Well, you might just have a little bit more of a, a genetic predisposition to the fear. But usually, there's something that's triggering mm. that in the life. So here's the thing: the first thing you want to do when you're afraid of something is run away from it. But when we're treating a phobia or one of these types of very specific fears, what you want to do is actually stay in the the situation, not run from it. Well, if I'm afraid of elevators. Which I'm not, but as an example. Okay, just use that one. Right. I should ride the elevator. You should stay and not try to avoid it. So mm-hmm. most people, what they would do is I would say, I'm not going to get on the elevator. I'm just going to take stairs all the time. Right. But really, the treatment involves facing that fear. And I like that idea because it's biblical. I'm thinking of David when he was with you know Goliath. He faced the fear. Right. And he went into the fear. So the idea here is face your giant that fear with God's help. And you can begin to overcome it if you're willing to tolerate this really anxious feeling you're going to have. When you face a fear, it feels horrible. A lot of times it feels like you're going to die. Mm-hmm. But don't run from it. Tell yourself, I can do this. I can take it. And eventually, if you stay in it and you expose yourself to it over and over and you say, hey, wait, nothing bad happened. I really am okay. The more you can do that, the less power it's going to have over you until finally you've overcome it. Can you give us an example? Well, let's say you have that fear of elevators. Okay. So I might tell you to walk in the elevator over and over until you could get into the elevator without complete panic. Then Mm. once you're kind of calm getting in the elevator, I would say, okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to push the button. You're going to go down. You're going to be okay. Now, you probably feel terrified when I hit that button and you go down the the elevator shaft. But you get to the bottom and you go, I did it. It wasn't terrible. I didn't die. I'm okay. And we would practice that over and over until that fear is gone. Wow. Well, we've learned in this segment that phobias are, in fact, treatable. And when we come back, let's talk about what the Bible has to say about fear and how we can use the Word of God to help us as well. We'll be back on the Dr. Linda Mental Show. Are you a mom or a dad trying to do your best to raise a healthy weight child in an unhealthy eating culture? Do you often struggle with how to respond when your child asks if she is fat or if he needs to lose weight? Do you wonder what is normal and how do I best impact my child and his or her eating habits? 
Well, hi, I'm Dr. Linda Mental, and my book, Raising Healthy Kids in an Unhealthy World, teaches parents how to raise healthy kids in an overscheduled, fast food, video game world by making simple choices, easy changes, and instilling good habits that will improve everyone's life today and forever. Winner of the Mom's Choice Award, Raising Healthy Kids in an Unhealthy World, will give you this confidence, the confidence you need to take charge of your child's eating and raise a healthy weight child. Raising Healthy Kids in an Unhealthy World. Available on Dr. Linda's website, drlindamental.com. And available online where books are sold. What do Thomas Jefferson, Agatha Christie, Pope John Paul II, and Princess Diana have in common? Well, these notable individuals and many others, past and present, share the habit of journaling. Hi, I'm Dr. Linda, the Relationship Doctor, and I've got some tips for you on the value of journaling. Whether you're just writing down a few thoughts or pouring out your heart on paper, journaling has some real benefits, like getting a handle on your emotions or a better understanding of other people or even organizing your priorities. Sometimes reading your older journal notes will help you appreciate the sweet little details of life you enjoyed but maybe have forgotten. One of the best benefits of journaling comes when you look back and you see how the Lord has been there in all your circumstances, directing your steps and taking care of the things that matter to you. If you've not considered journaling before, give it a try and see which of those benefits journaling might bring your way. This is the Dr. Linda Mental Show, and I want to remind you to follow Dr. Linda on her website, drlindamental.com. There you can see her blog, social media, and the books she has written. And today we've been talking about common phobias or irrational fears that can develop. And Dr. Linda, what about medications? Do they help? So sometimes people are prescribed an antidepressant or what we call an anti-anxiety medication like a benzodiazepine. Um, they can help you calm that emotion right at the moment and the physical reaction that is so paralyzing. So sometimes with panic, for instance, we might give somebody one of those medications. But I really recommend that you try this exposure treatment we were talking about. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have side effects. It doesn't have those kind of medications. Now, you have to be really careful. If you have heart problems or something, you need to get checked out by your doctor first before you do something that's scary because we don't want you to go into cardiac arrest, you know, from being so frightened. But most of the time, these exposure techniques work. Let let me tell you what those are. So it's a category of treatments called cognitive behavioral treatments. Mm -hmm. And exposure is the one that really, really works with phobias. So when I was talking about earlier where you go into the fearful situation and you force yourself, I actually teach patients to say when they're in the middle of it, I can take the hit. So they're really fearful. And I'll say, just tell yourself, I can do this. And a lot of times I'll use the scripture, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And know that God is with you in that moment. If you can sit in the middle of that fear and tolerate that fear, you really begin to take the power away from that fear. Is it common for you to accompany a patient? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I've done that a lot. I've done that with school phobias where mm-hmm. kids are afraid to go into school. We'll start in the parking lot until we can get them okay there. Then we'll move over to the the building, and then we'll go into the building. We'll go to the right. most fearful class until finally they're spending the whole day and they're not having any problems. So you can have like a, a coach or a therapist that can really help you with that. What happens if you have the same phobia? 
<laughs> Fortunately, no one asked me to go to the dentist when I was struggling with <laughs> that. Right. Well, we've reached the part of the program where we uh, wrap everything up and, uh, and see what God has to say about these things. And the Bible does have a lot to say when it comes to fear, doesn't it? There are so many scriptures. I mean, I was thinking we could start listing them, but there are just mm-hmm. so many scriptures on fear. And it's so interesting because God designed us. So he knows how he created us with that fight or flight mechanism. Right. So, you know, he prepared us for survival, that if there really is a scary thing there, we need to run away from it. But this irrational fear that we're talking about, where there really isn't a specific situation that we're running away from, this is where we really have to look and see what God says about this, because he says not to fear. He doesn't want us debilitated by fear, and he doesn't want us to live in fear. And so one of the verses I really like is John fourteen twenty seven, mm-hmm. and this is what it says, because he talks about Jesus as our peace. Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. There's a radio host who always quotes that scripture. I I hear that often. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. Right there, Chris, he's saying, you don't have to be afraid. I'm with you. You know, do you think it's easy for us to forget that God is with us? Because I do. And so reading the scriptures and renewing our mind with them would be important. For example, probably the most well-known verse about fear is 2 Timothy 1.7. It says, God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So it doesn't come from God. So isn't that interesting? Fear doesn't come from God. Mm. He hasn't given us that spirit of fear is what that scripture is saying. He's giving us power, his power. He's giving us his love. And then because of that, we have a sound mind as we renew our mind. I do have to remind myself of that scripture because it says that God hasn't given this to us. So I don't want to react to the things that are not of God. Mm. You know, if it doesn't come from him. Now, what he does say, the only place that I see in Scripture is that he does say that we are to fear the Lord. Right. But that's a different kind of fear. That's not that's more of an awe of God, understanding his majesty and his greatness. Not the kind of fear we're talking about today, this irrational fear. God's not the author of crippling fear. And that reminder that we have to constantly tell ourselves he's with us. So here's one from Deuteronomy 31.6. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. And God gave this to people when there was a clear and present danger. Yes, it's a reminder. Joshua nine says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That verse says he is commanding us. He's commanding us not to be afraid. And it's such a good point you're making, because some of these scriptures are when they are right in the face of fear. Mm, yeah. So there actually is something specific to be afraid of. And even then he's saying, don't let fear grip you. So all the more when there's not a fear object, there's not something specific right in front of us that we are not to hang on to fear. So if you're thinking about this, you're thinking, I want to obey God. I want to understand this. I'm going to end with this one in Psalm 56, 3. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. And then Psalm 34, 4 says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. Seek the Lord and trust him to remove that fear. He wants you to seek him. He will deliver you. He will answer. Get the help of a Christian therapist who understands how to also help you with the types of techniques that we're talking about today. And you don't have to live in fear anymore. 
Well, that's all the time we have for today. Many thanks to our producer and director, Katie Mintel, our engineer, and my co-host, Chris Weigel, who makes this show a conversation from all of us here at Faith Radio. We'll talk to you next weekend. In the meantime, remember, we're here, we're doing life together, and it's better when you don't have to do it alone. Well, thanks for listening to this conversation from the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. These podcasts are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and helping us grow the impact of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Also, take a moment to subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player, and you'll never miss a show.